Hello, this is your host, Donna Barr, and welcome to A Bazillion Ghost Stories. Does anybody really know a bazillion ghost stories? But then again, aren't all stories set in the past ghost stories? I was listening to, and that's why they drink, and they were talking about the Thunderbird, and they recited some of the uh, native um beliefs and legends and uh they got into those for the quillute and some for the plains people but then they started talking about you know why folks and our sightings and all through the 1800s and early 1900s you're getting these you know giant birds are four feet tall and they took my kid and they did this and the other and there's a problem with the whole cryptid sighting thing. I remember a few years ago, some guy brought me up a, um, he was desperate to prove that he, he had seen Bigfoot. And he showed me his photos. And the photos were just him shaking the camera at a herd of elk. Oh, I was so scared. I couldn't hold it still. They frightened me so badly. So now we got all these people claiming to see these cryptids in 2007 and 2017. And you know everybody's got a phone. And all of a sudden, abracadabra, their phones are not working when they see Thunderbird. Everybody in the world can see Thunderbird, but their phones don't work. So, you know, here's another case of somebody saw a stellar sea eagle or a Japanese crane or a trumpeter swan. And you know how most guys especially get lengths and sizes wrong and we know why they get that wrong and you've got all these sightings of thunderbird and giant birds in the sky and nobody's got a photo chicken the neighbor's rooster and i have started to communicate uh i told you that i was teaching him to eat from my hand and had touched his tail a couple of times well, today it's just peeing down rain. It is a real salmon choker out there. And I went out with the bird food, and here comes Chicken running up to get his portion. And I sat down and held, put the food in my hand, held it close to me to see if he'd come and eat it. And he looked at it, and then he walked into the porch. And I thought, well, I don't want to eat in the rain either. So I just put his food under the porch, and he ate it under there. So Chicken today told me I don't want to eat in the rain I want to eat under here and I said okay and put it under there so we are evidently by motions beginning to communicate with each other and I wonder how many wolves and wild cats originally did that I want this do this for me and I imagine on the on the dog part on the wolf part it was a lot more of the humans do this uh, do this for me well is it with the cats it was like I want that. I'm taking that. Do this for me. And because they're the size of babies and make sounds like babies and got faces like babies, humans instinctively do whatever the cats want, um, even when the cats are full grown. But Chicken and I are talking to each other now, and he, he's decided that he could tell me where he wants fed, and he just did not want to be fed in the rain. Well, we're uh, going from animals to really dumb animals, and this is about Microsoft Outlook, 
And, uh, you know, they, they, they really can't get mad about this because they do it. Um, they have decided that they are going to charge people uh, for refusing to take junk emails. And so people's feeds are feeding up horribly with junk. So if you've got Outlook and you've got that problem, it's really, really easy to fix this. Simply go to the settings and find where it allows you to not take any mail that you do not know. If it's not in your contacts list, it will automatically go in the junk folder. So when you do that in the morning, check through, see if there's anybody that you want to mark not, not junk, and most of it will not be junk, and then go ahead and hit the little garbage can delete button, and the whole thing will simply delete. All the junk will delete within seconds. Now, the weird thing about getting the junk is there's an awful lot of people telling you that you can open this up and see body parts and do things with body parts. Uh, we all know what it is. We're, we're talking, um, it's beyond dick pics. And, uh, and I'm thinking, who the hell would hit these stupid emails? Because there's dozens of them, and they're... They're foul. And who who would open a piece of crap like this? Well, we all know who would open this, whose whose little lower body part would be twitching so hard just to open this up. And it's the slightly smaller demographic on the planet. And you can get them to do anything. Uh, as Dan's grandfather said, you should you should think with the big head, not the little one. But they don't. And they get these things. And they ought, probably automatic with muscle reflex hit these stupid emails about, you know, come see my... And, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm being uh, a little bit censoring of myself here because, of course, uh, Spotify is like, don't say naughty things that the children might see, even though all our ancestors lived in one room and everybody saw what everybody else was doing all the time. Um, you you kind of wonder sometimes if this thing about don't let the children see this is people wanting to build and rent more rooms. Uh, it's got to be secret, so therefore you need more rooms. You have to pay more for them. Because originally, everybody saw everybody do everything, you know. No, there was no such thing as pooping in private. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's, I figure, figure all this, um, you know, butt spam that comes in, uh, that demographic hits it automatically and gets themselves in trouble. Uh, because why would you do that unless you're thinking with a little head? One thing I've noticed with a lot of people, I mean, podcasters, people uh, on the internet, and not so much people in movies, something like that, they seem to not have this problem, but people are chronocentric. They can't pay attention to timelines. They'll think that everything is in their time. They can't understand that perhaps let us say, like the whole Joshua Ben Joseph thing took place over 150 years, people putting together legends or names or whatever they could find, um, you know, later on when uh, the, quote, Christian cult was taken over by Zeus and Heracles the Savior. And then you get the people that um, they cannot understand the difference between first and only. And I, I love, love, love the girls on um, That's Why We Drink. And 
they confuse that first and only. It's like when I told people, you know, what if we're just the first planet to have, you know, life you can communicate with? And they went to pieces, uh, everybody I knew, because they immediately started crying that, no, 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 we're not the only ones. I didn't say only. I said first. What's wrong with the timeline? There are billions and trillions of years to deal with here. There will be in the future. We don't have trillions of years yet. And they cannot think around this. And uh, so you'll you'll hear somebody be talking about, you know, for example, pteranodons, which did not survive the birds. The birds outcompeted them. And then they start talking about things like the... Uh, the tombstone monster, supposedly, there was something that, you know, scared the horses. A couple of ranchers' horses got scared by it. Um, again, the uh, this is why we drink girls. We're doing all the reports on this. And they were just, nine times out of ten, they just do the reports. Here are the reports. And so you get the problem of somebody talking about this, and they're talking about something being, you know, like formerly... Thunderbird was based on originally a giant vulture, the ancestor of today's vultures, one of today's vultures. I think it's the California condor, something like that. And uh, then they get confused about the, the idea that pteranodons had no feathers because, of course, they're not dinosaurs. And they started getting confused about that because people, well, they don't know their um, their science basically and i don't blame people i mean they're expert in what they're expert in not everybody has my junk box mind i start connecting everything but i just wanted to add about the tombstone monster which was around 1890 and i was listening to the descriptions of this thing and nobody's ever been able to find the photograph that everybody claims they saw and they're beginning to think it was just a matter of, of oh yeah i saw that um, this stuff just leaks into their brains. I remember your brain can invent stuffing stuff and then you think you see it. Uh, especially if you've got any little, you know, disconnect or connections there between your eyes and your imagination. And this can happen if you've got a little brain bleed or a couple of neurons got connected, something like that. But anyway, these two ranchers, all they said was this thing scared the horses. But, you know, and no, I'm not talking about that use of that phrase. Uh, thank you, Stephen Fry or anybody else who uses it. Um, but they said the thing was, you know, I don't know, 80 feet long and the wings were 50 feet wide. And then they said it was transparent. And it's 1890. And, you know, I really, really should look around because not everybody links everything up on the Internet. You may have a whole slew of things where you say tombstone flying monster and you get that thread. But you don't get the thread for where are all the early attempts to fly or build gliders. And when I heard that it was transparent, I'm thinking it's either got, you know, oil cloth or something like that, thin oil cloth, or it has a body that just isn't covered and it seems like it's transparent. And you know your eyes will put things in there. You think you see it and your eye and brain will build it. And this is why it would make an absolutely terrible witness for a murder trial because um, you tell me something and I'm liable to see it. Uh, I can't tell my dreams from my actual situation from stories I read. I just can't. I have too much brain damage. I'm sorry, you hit yourself in the head with an axe when you're seven years old, and from then on, you're going to always question what you see. And I've seen my brain construct things. I saw out on the slip point rocks, I once saw people walking on the rocks, and I flipped up my binoculars 
and it was a couple of herons out there on the rocks. And then I flipped down the binoculars, and my eyes could, could quote-unquote see. They're really just building, because I can't actually see that far. Uh, immediately, my eyes saw herons. So you see what had happened. Uh, my eyes out there had, had, quote, seen people, because I didn't expect that many herons. They usually beat the crap out of each other. They, um, they fly around screaming at each other, trying to get each other to move. You can imagine what the old dinosaurs were like. They're really close to it. So uh, my brain was building them into people, um, well, human people rather than bird people. And uh, when it got a correction, it corrected so I'm thinking maybe I should go and see if anybody was tinkering around with gliders or something like it in uh, 1890s near Tombstone. I mean, you got cliffs and things. You could jump off the darn cliff and go for a ride. And uh, the ranchers who were reported as having shot it and hung it on a barn wall, you know, they finally got a hold of one of these guys. They said, no, no, I just flew overhead and scared the horses. Uh, this stuff will always get blown out of proportion. So I'm going to go look and see if there's any gliders around uh, Tombstone in that time. And that's a valid timeline, and that's a valid place. Everybody was trying to fly. So if I can find that, we'll see if it was everybody's imaginations or a really big vulture, because some animals do, you know, they're a little bit bigger than their fellows, or uh, if somebody was just trying to be the Wright brothers before they were Wright brothers. We're going to get it right. Okay, I just went off and tried to search for that. And when I searched for, you know, gliders and tombstone, I got gliders or I got tombstones, not the town, but uh, tombstones, the actual um, things you put on graves when you have some money. Uh, but then I searched the town of tombstone gliders and uh, Alexis was funny. She went and she got me um, the Birdcage Theater in Tombstone. So the idea of flight, birds, and the idea of, of the town of Tombstone having a theater named after birds, uh, it's kind of a kind of a leap. But uh, that's a very human mistake to make. So these are learning computers. So maybe she's she's figuring out how I'm thinking, but. That's what I found so far. Look, if you are a glider aficionado, if you are somebody who knows the, the real history of Tombstone, if you know about what might have been posted in the Tombstone epitaph uh, before or after the Tombstone monster incident, um, and don't you love the name of the newspaper, the Tombstone epitaph, um, because back then there was a certain sort of dark humor that I grew up with in the West, so I recognize that. Um, that very tongue-in-cheek humor. But if you know anything about anybody who might have been experimenting with a glider of any kind uh, in the Tombstone area around 1890, then let's see if we can perhaps solve the problem of what the heck did these guys see. Uh, the fact that the guys came around and said, no, we didn't shoot it, it just scared the horses. This is the journalist in me talking and saying, well... You know, they just shot it and hung it on a barn wall. There, That's very much a legendary thing about we killed the dragon and then we brought it home. But, you know, oh no, I just scared the horses and then it flew overhead and we, we don't know what happened to it. I'd like to know which direction it was going, if it was near a cliff. But if you've got any information at all on any kind of attempted flight around Tombstone or someplace in the area, maybe near cliffs in the 1890s, um, 
I know a lot of history geeks, and you guys can find anything. Did you think you could get past one of these podcasts without another chicken story? Uh, our neighbor, who is the guy who provides our wood, uh, needed to get his county taxes paid, so he came over with a half a quart of wood. And we're ready to throw that thing out the back of the truck. I stand up in there and throw. And here comes Chicken, and he's going to stand right where I'm going to throw the wood. And Brian says, no, no, Chicken never gets hit. Chicken stays out of the way. So I told Chicken, uh, you know, Brian's rooster, uh, get away from there. Get out of there and go find a place to hide. Well, he promptly went off over to the rhododendron bush that was on the other side of the truck and hid under there, and the whole time we were working, he crowed at us. So, technically, he was supervising, but he did exactly as I told him to do, which was to go get out of the way from where I was throwing wood, and to be safe, so we wouldn't have to hit him. Um, this bird understands English. You older folks can, no doubt, if you did this, can remember going back and forth across the Canadian border pre-9-11 without a passport. You just It was just a free and open border. That's what you did. You had to go through the gates, um, the entrances, but you didn't need a passport. But after 9-11, they started locking down like they were going to do something, some, somehow behaving ourselves in the Middle East over oil. Uh, that might have been a better idea than locking down the Canadian border. But my friend Roberta Gregory, you know, the author of Naughty Bits, um, and I were across the border, and uh, Canada had not asked for passports. I happened to have mine along. Um, for once, I was prepared. Roberta did not have hers, so she's trying to get back into the United States. And the uh, Canadian official, or whoever was at the border, an American or other words, asked us, well, to prove you're Americans, sing the Star Spangled Banner. So this, this was our proof. And Roberta was trying to remember the lyrics, and that's when I said, which verse? And he said, oh, get the hell out of here and let us go back. We didn't have a lot of time at one point crossing back and forth there because we we're t uh, two middle-aged women with art in a VW bug. But at this, I guess, I guess the whole thing was about when I said which verse, because there is more than one verse. He just looked at us like, I do not want to deal with these smart asses, and just waved us back in. And we were not at the Peace Arch. We were, you know, farther east in the state of Washington. And uh, when we passed over, of course, you can always tell whether you're in Canada or whether you're in the United States, because Canada... Uh, is well-groomed and beautiful and has nice roads and the forests look nice and they um, also have no road signs because you got to guess they figure that you know where you're going and then you get across the border into the United States and it looks like a back alley. I, there's mud and bad fences and just general exhaustion and wreckage. So it's it's real weird. It's like going over the border from... Uh, England to Canada, right there uh, after seeing Lindisfarne uh, over there on the East Coast, and you cross over, and immediately you go into Heather, immediately into Heather uh, in Scotland. So this is how you tell you're in Canada or the United States. You are in a very nice, a very nice neighborhood, and then you pass over into the dump. And uh, but yeah, 
that's that's how we got back home by my simply recognizing the fact that the Star Spangled Banner has more than one verse. And while we're on the subject of going over the border, uh, we used to, um, I used to have a little group called the Peach Pits. Uh, I do the Desert Peach, which is about the Desert Fox's gay brother. And so the Peach Pits routine at uh, conventions were off the wall and weird. And we were always uh, dressed in one form, a German uniform or another, and British uniform. And yeah, World War II outfits. And uh, at one point I got tired of being bothered at the border so i piled all this crap up in our back window so that it was like you know german helmets and shit <laughs> and so we got pulled over um and i figured okay fine if they're gonna not let us in at least it's for a reason this time rather than the fact that we've got comic books yeah for some reason canada lost its mind on comic books at some point and uh, it turned out that the guy was a collector and he just wanted to know where we got all of you know the world war ii stuff even though it was all fake and then he found my plastic Luger, and he went, oh my God, is it real? You know, he picks it up and says it's real. It weighs like a half an ounce. And I said, you you really are Canadian, don't you? <laughs> Aren't you? Because you, uh, you don't know how much a real one weighs. And I used to have a real one, and I only bought it because um, uh, my gun dealer friend, yeah, I used to run with the gun crowd. Uh, which is why I don't have them now. <laughs> Those people are crazy. Uh, at one point, um, he had me buy the weapon because I just made the exact amount of money because he said that, you know, this is the price. And I says, look, I'll only buy the thing if I get the money. And I got a check in the mail from one of my clients. Uh, so if, if you go to Canada at the time, anyway, evidently the people on the border... Um, didn't know how much a Luger weighed. <laughs> you know, there's all this nonsense about men are going to put on a wig and go in a women's room and claim their trance and attack women. And the whole question is, well, there are now women, therefore they're allowed to attack women? Is that how it works? No, assault is assault. So that ain't going to work. And... They're going to be in trouble if there's any trans women in there because they're liable to drive them right the heck out. When you think about whether or not you're safe in your own space, having one of them in there might be good for you. So another thing I want to ask is uh, this whole idea of men just putting on women's clothes and pretending to be something they're not, whether they say who they are, what their identity might be. Um, right now on TikTok, there's a whole lot of men that they're not shaving, they're not putting on makeup, they're not doing any of this thing. They're just putting on wigs and maybe a dress or maybe wrapping a towel around themselves. And I'll tell you something, they're not trying to get in anybody's bathroom. They're not assaulting any women. Uh, they're pretending to be Hera dealing with Zeus. They're pretending to be Mother Nature or the year 2023 or an old boomer woman in a nice wig and a green dress who, uh, everybody's in trouble now because she's taken off her earrings. Remember when I was being an asshole and kind of chortling about what's going to happen when This Is Why We Drink runs into COVID? Well, they are now, and I watched them simply be responsible, and all of a sudden, episode 175, and you want to listen to this one for sure, for that, that is, This Is Why We Drink, uh, it is... It is where, of course, they go to the Black Lives Matter protest and they start talking about 4chan 
And I didn't know all the details on 4chan and Anonymous and all the rest of it. But in this episode, they describe how Anonymous and Scientology got into a fight. And I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, I kind of blanked out and not paid attention to people like this. But my God, I wish I'd had popcorn. But it's it's episode 175, and it takes place in 2020. And uh, it's it's a hoot. Um, just, just wait for the moment when they talk about the fax machines. It's hilarious. Okay, commenting on other podcasts again. This is why we drink, episode 176. This is a case that's been covered by a lot of people, including the Morbid People, Morbid Podcast. It's about the death of Kendrick Johnson and whether or not he was murdered or he- uh, fell headfirst into a wrestling mat and died. And uh, one thing that everybody kind of seems to steer away from, and I'm not going into whether this was murder or whether this was an accident, but in this school, the kids had to pay for their wall lockers. And everybody kind of skirts over that. I mean, this is why they, they drink mentioned it. And they were a little confused because, you know, they give you books, you have valuables, and the only place you can hide them during gym is up inside these big wall mats. You don't even have lockers and your parents are paying taxes. Uh, of course, this is a town where uh, one of the council people just had a squawk about saying that, uh, and this is what he said, you know, black people, they were slaves, so they were taken care of, and they were fed, so they didn't have it so bad. And it's like, oh my God. But, you know, you could see why this is the mindset that would make students pay for their wall lockers. Um, nobody gets anything for free um, because, I don't know, what black people were taken care of during slavery. This is their mindset. But nobody concentrates on the fact that these poor kids couldn't just lock their stuff up in their wall lockers. We had wall lockers. It was just part of what we were dealing with. We were given combinations or locks, and that's where we could put our valuables. And we had a place we could put things to have them safe during the day, so you wouldn't be carrying your books all over school or gym shoes or whatever. Wall lockers were just something that came with the territory. And evidently this school, the kids had to get this pay for the wall lockers. So the fact that um, the evidence was simply ignored, nobody called the coroner, uh, you know, with the death of this poor kid, um, it sounds more like people are uh, perhaps afraid of it being pointed out that the kids didn't have access to full school facilities, and one of them being wall lockers, which, come on, we all know those are important. And if a kid had to hide his shoes, and I'm not saying it's a murder, whether the body was hidden or whether it was an accident, but if he did have to uh, try to crawl inside one of these, you know, giant upstanding wrestling mats uh, and fell in and strangled and choked and died, um, why didn't he have a wall locker? And it sounds an awful lot like the whole town, the school is, uh, except for the people who want to know what happened to this poor kid, including the parents, um... The whole town is covering up the fact that uh, they're charging kids for wall lockers, which they should have had for no charge at all. So I'm going to go back there and ask uh, who was in charge of that and who thought that they were going to get caught for negligence. Because giant wall lock, uh, giant wrestling mats like that are just a hazard. 
And uh, if nothing else, uh, somebody should be sued for this. So you can't get this poor kid's life back. You can't get his family's love of him back, you know, with him on the spot. All they have left is grief and love. But uh, this this sounds like flat-out negligence on the part of the school. Would you like to be part of this podcast? You can go to anchor.fm slash Donna-Bar and you can leave me a voice message with your story that can become part of this podcast. If you would rather have me read it, send a PDF or PDFA, double-spaced, larger type to DonnaBar01 at gmail.com. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Bar. And finally, if you would like to know anything about what I've done in my life that has to do with my work, conventions, etc., go to donnabar.com. Hope to see you there. I will also put all this information in the program notes. A spooky 